Welcome to the Intercut Podcast, the weekly show going over the TV, movies, and entertainment that people can't cut away from. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, everything he says is made up on the spot. It's Arturo Zurita. Sounds like a Trolls movie, really. Uh, I'm excited to be here. Nothing has changed for us, as you guys know. Still recording from the same bedroom, just in different corners. Uh, but we have a, we actually have a very exciting uh, bracket today because yes. usually we'll, we always argue before the brackets start but we got really into it before this one started so i can just imagine when we finally started <laughs> yeah i think we've done more pre-recording uh deliberations of this bracket yeah. than any of our previous brackets Easily. excited to get into it also joining us he's on my list of best interns under 30 it's producer intern fernando say what up thank fernando. you what's up guys i'm also excited to be here and yeah uh i'm anticipating this to get Pretty heated. I'm hoping it gets heated at least. You know, yes. I'm not gonna. Yes. I'm not gonna hold back. My person is gonna win. Okay. <laughs> I'm curious. I'm curious. All right. So in a little bit, we will talk about Trolls World Tour, Martin Scorsese's 200 million dollar movie, and the best movie star under 30 years old. But first, make sure you're subscribed to the Intercut Podcast, either the video podcast on YouTube.com/slash/IntercutPod or the audio podcast available on most podcatchers. Also follow us on social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We are at IntercutPod. That's at IntercutPod. That's short for podcast. And just another reminder to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. It really does help uh, put our show in front of more people, and we'd really appreciate you doing that. But Art, let's start the show the way we usually start it, in what we're watching. So what have you been watching, Art? What's the latest? What's uh, Uh, on your mind? VODs. Uh, Like I said last week, I I told you guys I was going to catch Sea Fever and The Other Lamb. I was not able to catch Sea Fever, sadly, um, but I did catch The Other Lamb. Uh, It was a TIFF movie that was getting a lot of buzz. I remember we had woken up really early in the morning. We were denied, but they got our passes down and everything. I don't think we were big enough to be be remembered. But the movie finally came out. It is here. It was supposed to have a theatrical release, straight to VOD. And I enjoyed it. But it does these things where you're just like, why are you doing these things? You know, you ever seen a movie like that? Mm-hmm. The ending is beautiful. A bit. If it was cut three seconds, just three, you know, you ever get those endings where it's just like, why didn't you cut it three seconds sooner? I really do recommend it. It's pretty much about uh, this cult. A guy it has all of these wives in a sense, and some are older, and then there's the daughters. And as you can expect, this man is really looking to, once he's done with the older one, move on to the younger ones. But. Uh, as, he's like their shepherd. They call him the shepherd, so they're practically sheep. Maybe one of the other lambs doesn't want to fit along with it. And I really did find that enjoyable. I think that there's some crazy cinematography. There are some shots that come out of nowhere. Like this, at no point in the scene that it call for this insane aerial shot. But you like it. Uh, and sometimes it feels disorienting, but I still think that it has um, a really standout cinematography. And it has a really cool story. But they end it on a shot. I don't want, I'll spoil it for you guys afterwards, but they ended on a shot, on a noise, where it's such a student filmmaker type thing that I feel. That's like something that I would end a YouTube video on almost uh, when, when covering the movie. So I'm surprised that they ended it with that. Um, maybe I disliked it more than other people, but uh, I would give it a decent rent, which is exactly how you can watch it right now. So that was, that was my big movie of the week, along with some other rewatching, but The Other Lamb. Cool. Uh, Fernando, what about you? What have you been watching? Yeah, so I think the last thing I watched was actually a recommendation that one of you guys gave from last week's episode, which was Dear Zachary. Um, 
Yeah. I love that movie. <laughs> yeah. I believe uh, that was Art who recommended it. How'd that go? Yeah. It went interesting. Um, another movie where you're like, why is this happening? That's what I was saying as I was watching this. Um, very, very emotional movie. Um, and a mix of emotions, both being mm-hmm. sad, but also like, man, you're just furious watching that. Um, I don't want to spoil it because that was a whole, because I didn't know like the entire story of it. Mm-hmm. So as things Worth were. Worth it. Yeah. And as things were playing out, I was like, this can't be real. Um, <laughs> But basically, it's about. Uh, it, interestingly enough, it feels very. It doesn't like the budget isn't big. It's like a very independent documentary. Um, mm-hmm. But basically, this this guy, the director, sets out to pretty much cover the life of one of his best friends that uh, tragically passed away. Um, you know, he talks with all of his family members, his friends, and pretty much try to piece together uh, the story because he died really young. Um, and that's all I'll say because there's a lot more that happens in, but it's, yeah, it's, it's worth... a documentary full of twists and turns, mm-hmm. and many of them are are maddening and heartbreaking. Uh, it's definitely one of the most like emotional documentaries that I've I've ever seen, and uh, just the 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 story that it tells is so uh, incredibly uh, like leaves you on the edge of your seat because of the true mm-hmm. true aspects of it. Uh, it's it's really a unique experience. Like I, you don't enter into it lightly. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But I guess I'm glad that you finally caught up with that one because that is a really good. Doc, it's a big yeah. yeah. Uh, as for what I've been watching, I, I took a sec to watch some of the new comedies available now and soon on Netflix. Uh, starting with Bruise Brothers, a new comedy that is. Uh, created by uh, Jeff Schaefer, I believe, or maybe it's both the Schaefers, I'm not sure, uh, who was behind the league and who uh, is bringing that sort of uh, loose, broad comedy style to the brewery setting. Uh, if you want to say that this is like the league meets, meets It's Always Sunny, like I would hear you out, but I think so far it's like not as good as either of those shows. Yes. So maybe let's, let's pump the brakes a bit. You know, I, I think that the league is a bit... Uh, take it or leave it in terms of like how wild some of its comedy is. It it's, can be really fun in the way that they have so many talented comedians just kind of performing these broad characters, but it can get so broad at times that you, you lack the believability that sometimes you need in a comedy that like that you believe these people are in a room talking together, Thank talking you. with each other for a reason. And so many times Bruce, Bruce brothers kind of crosses that line into like, why don't you just leave this conversation? Why don't you kick this person in the nuts or something? Like, yes. It, it, and to me, I think it's still fine tuning uh, that exact balance. I think, you know, comedy sometimes find a little, take a little time to find their footing. Uh, I feel like there will be some people who enjoy it, but I, I ducked out after a couple episodes. Oh, okay, so you didn't finish the whole thing. No. I went three in, and then when Netflix asked me if I was continue, no, I did not. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do you think it's the actor? Because it's clearly the brother who comes in. Because one of the brothers owns the brewery, the other brother yeah. comes in, and he's like, we need to fix this up, and that is not a real person. That brother character is not a real person in any way, shape, or form. There's the comedy elements that push to the side, like, hey, look at these two guys who were skinny. They joined the membership, and six months later, they're really big. That's, that's great. That's funny. Yeah. The brother urinates in beer. <laughs> he, he's obnoxious to a point of, It makes like, no sense. 
of, of really pissing pissing you off as a viewer. He himself. Uh, I don't <laughs> think it's the actor because I get the same vibe from the people who run the food truck uh, that parks outside of their their brewery. Yeah, they're, they're you know, stupid. I think it's I think it's just kind of the tone of the show, and and in times it'll work, at times it'll be funny, and and then yeah. times it'll just be stupid, and like I. It depends on your tolerance for stupid comedy. There's a yeah. lot of it there, but some of it's funny. I would uh, recommend Easy instead. That has a beer storyline dealing with a brewery, and uh, the first season wraps it up way nicer than this does in three episodes. Or It's Always Sunny and The League, two better versions. I've of never seen It's Always Sunny, to... so that may be something that oh. I fully have to get into. I've seen two seasons of The League, but It's Always Sunny has been one that, you know, the, the fam- that fan base has a sense of humor. I'll put it to you that way. Sometimes you deal with yeah. other fan bases, you're like, how are you going to defend your funny show in the most like pissy way possible? Always Sunny fans are, are hilarious. Uh, and then the other thing I've been watching is Middle Ditch in Schwartz. This is a uh, series of comedy specials that will be on Netflix on April 21st, uh, starring Thomas Middleditch, who you may recognize from the, being the lead on Silicon Valley for many years, and Ben Schwartz, uh, recently the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog, and many people know him from his work as Jean-Ralphio on uh, Parks and Recreation. Uh, both of these are actors who've come up through the UCB comedy world and doing improv comedy shows. And I believe that they have a long history of performing together. And recently they've been going on a tour around the country performing these essentially hour-long improv, completely improvised specials. They filmed three of them for Netflix. And it's a really interesting thing because I don't personally know if improv has been recorded in this way, we're used to getting stand-up specials. But the thing about improv comedy is it's supposed to be a little bit ethereal and kind of like uh, in the moment, right? You know, part yeah. of the part of the appeal of if you go to an improv show at like the UCB or Second City is that it's it's so like being made cuff. up on the spot and and seeing seeing the way that the performers try to string things together, find a callback. That's part of the the fun of it is being in the room with them. You do get that feeling from watching them, although uh, it's just a little bit, you're maybe not less, you're maybe a little less attached to the progression of it. Mm-hmm. I think they're both really funny and they carry it. It, it. Some of the funniest parts are seeing them struggle to maintain the continuity and talking out their, talking out their bit within the comedy bit. Uh, it's a really unique uh, a filmed special. I, I'm curious to see how it lands with people who are maybe not as familiar with improv as a style of comedy because it, it's not as uh, structured or as finely written as you know, we before the show we were talking about. Oh, hello, another two man show with John Mulaney mm. and Nick Kroll. But that that's a show that has really precise and hilarious joke writing. Like it, they're they're taking these characters and crafting the perfect thing for them to say. Whereas Middle Ditch and Schwartz are just seeing what comes to mind and it that's funny in its own way too although it might not be as funny for everyone question is this not a series is it just a special it's three specials okay it's kind of like how they did the dave Chappelle thing where he put out two specials in a collection so they're separately shot yeah they're shot on separate nights okay that's okay gotcha did you have a preference did you see all three yeah i watched all three um you know the the thing with it is it's kind of in moments. Like I think the first one and the third gotcha. one had maybe my favorite moments, but all three made me laugh quite a bit. Yeah, and I mean, I'd be curious yeah. to get more from them. Honestly, I, I would have watched more if they had released more than three. 
Uh, do you remember off the top of your head the uh, improv movie that starred, I want to say, um, Key? And yeah, uh, that was uh, Mike Birbiglia's Don't Think Twice. Don't, don't Think Twice. Think, don't Think Twice. I was, I was trying to search up Don't Stop Now, and I was not getting it. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like what it reminded me of in terms of, yeah. well, I guess it's just improv. But if you wanted, like, because uh, I, th- I think that one's on Netflix. Because um, I've been seeing the rise of improv get bigger and bigger and bigger, and you're right. That's a that's a fo- it's like I'm a big beer guy. Have you ever had an IPA? That's right. a completely different style. Uh, so this style of comedy I think is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. My biggest worry when it comes to improv comedy, and I know that that's Bojack rips it to shreds when it comes to this, is that you can get away because it's improv. You can get away with a lot of stuff, right? Because uh, it's happening on the spot, and it can come off really corny. Um, I don't know if the show had a lot of that. I know you're saying the continuity and stuff, so that may be one of the biggest things that uh, people will embrace on it or not. Because even stand up, yeah, I think they get more scripted now. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Middleditch and Schwartz just happen to be really good at this thing. Like they've clearly been doing improv for many years. They're very charming guys, just generally. Like I don't know if you've seen, uh, particularly Ben Schwartz. I think is great in an interview. Schwartz, um, and I just. I just think the way they're able to kind of handle themselves, they stay charming, if not necessarily, like, hilarious throughout. Dude, Short, when we did the Sonic video and we were looking at all of his stuff, Shorts had this one where the lady had the, uh, she was handing him the thing, and she was like, so I just wanted to ask you something. She was like, whoa, are you that blind? This man, <laughs> he's, he's the literal funniest in video. He calls out interviews yeah. when they don't know what they're doing. He got interviewed by this one person <laughs> who wanted to do the gimmick of playing the game. But yeah, the interviewer couldn't ask the questions and play the game at the same time. And it's like, you're trying to pull a hot ones, but you can't. And he just straight up said, he's like, you know, if you can't do it, you don't, you don't have to do it. Uh, he's great. Yeah. Uh, but let us know what you've been watching in the comments below on YouTube or by shooting us an email. The address for that is intercutpod at gmail.com. We are going to move on to the yay or nay, where we break down the latest happenings in entertainment, starting with Universal announced that Trolls World Tour had the biggest opening weekend for a digital release ever. The movie, which was made available to rent for $19.99 on April 10th, the day that it was originally set to open in movie theaters, was the number one rental on Amazon, Comcast, Apple, Vudu, Google, YouTube, DirecTV, Fandango, Now. Universal said that it did more than 10 times times better business than their previous record opening, which was Jurassic World. Fallen Kingdom. uh, Fallen Kingdom, and people... Uh, industry experts said that that movie did between two or three million dollars. It also apparently broke uh, Avengers Endgame's record for biggest digital opening ever, which was set at 30. Although Universal has yet to release hard numbers, there yeah. are people who believe that it's made somewhere between 30 to 50 million dollars. That's wild. So. Uh, and also, how much can we trust Universal necessarily with these numbers? But that's a conversation for another time. For a contrast, the first Trolls movie had an opening weekend gross of almost $47 million in movie theaters. So, Art, yay or nay, Universal should be looking at the performance of Trolls World Tour as a success. That is irrelevant, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't they release the numbers when it comes to streaming? I mean, it, it's kind of they don't That's have the to release the numbers ever. It's kind of weird, right? It's kind of they pull goes, the Netflix, like, exactly because Netflix never releases their box office numbers either. Ever, but they release stuff like ten times bigger than the previous or stuff that's like 
it's stuff I expect from a White House briefing, but these guys are <laughs> making it way more cryptic in every single thing that they have. So it's like, why can't you just say what the number is? So it's not so much of like, they should see it as a win, is do they want to see it as a win? Is this something right. that they're going to want to push? You have to remember that Trolls was the first big movie. A lot of people keep saying, oh, I saw The Hunter, Invisible. Those already had, those were cut theatrical releases. And mm-hmm. when you look at uh, what the distributors, the actual theaters have been saying, they talked about how they were not going to forget that Universal opted out of the theatrical thing and decided to go VOD instead. Um, there's a lot bigger things to worry about, clearly, but <laughs> people are not for it, clearly. The theaters are not really for this type of model. So it, I mm-hmm. think it's just going to depend on what Universal, who Universal wants to keep happy. Because a lot of this is coming down to, do you want to keep your distributor friends happy or are you going to try to find a model? Because obviously the theater people will always tell you, what do you, movie doesn't go to DVD until it's in theaters. Clearly that's not the case anymore. But they want you to believe that unless it's in theaters, it won't make money. They're not giving us real numbers, so I can't really answer the yay or nay. So it's really just going to be on what Universal wants you yeah. uh, to think of it. Because again, mm. 10 times... Jurassic. That's a weird right. phrase. Tr- tracking has suggested that at least some of these, there's some validation behind these numbers. That For there sure. There is somewhere between 30 to 50 million, and the fact that it, it was number one in all these sites, mm-hmm. I, I do think is an indi- indicative of something. Whether or not that something is enough to have Universal rethinking their film release strategy, I don't know. Like, maybe it would have, I think potentially this has enough impact to make them think about maybe some kids' movies need that expedited release to home because something else that I hadn't considered that was brought up to me, uh, or, or I, that I, rather that I read, was this is a $20 movie that has a 48-hour release window. 48 hours come up, little kids are going to be still wanting to watch the movie they know they can watch at home again. I wonder how many households are dropping 20 40 60 $80 because kids are just demanding to rewatch the movie they know is available on their TVs. So this is potentially an interesting alternate path for some films for Universal. I don't think this is necessarily going to make them completely change their strategy given the situation. You know, this is a unique circumstance, but I am, I too am very curious to see what the actual numbers are like because, you know, maybe more studios think that a direct to you know, because we we talked about VOD movies and we talked about the other lamb and you're what what we're watching and most of these movies are like, I don't know, one to ten million dollar movies, right? Yeah, they're small. Maybe this, maybe this increases the viability of like a twenty to fifty million dollar production going to VOD, an eighty million dollar production yes. going to VOD. Uh huh. It, it changes the way that people. Well, would it also change the way people make those movies? Like you're talking about these movies that were made with an expected type of release. Well, what have we seen on Netflix? Netflix uses specific cameras for their shows because they know where it's going to go. And you could see it. You can see it in their vignetting as well. They started making content different because they knew where it was going to be. These are mm-hmm. stuff that, are, that has already been made. Will this affect the future of filmmaking because they're expecting you to watch it on your phone? There's an app. I don't know if you guys have seen it. It allows you to actually see things on different platforms like that. My oh, we'll other big thing with this is that we always – and I know it's an hour-long conversation, so I don't really want to extend it that much when it comes to theaters and stuff. But just like with theaters – we know that there's the box office numbers, but where's the money, guys? Mm-hmm. In the theater? The concessions? When it comes to the merch and everything? Zach brought up a great right. point. Will they be able to replicate that when it comes to VOD sales? 
Okay. Well, what are their other avenue? What are the other avenues going to be? Are they going to be doing right. partnerships? Are they going to be offering? I still don't think they're going to go under twenty bucks. Um, but will they offer maybe a reduced with ads, and find right. a way to make even more money with it? Like you mm-hmm. said, kids are going to want to rewatch the movie. Are they finding a way to be like, hey, can we take a little bit more off the? How many? How many more can we get off these people than that? I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of other different avenues because now people are paying attention to, hey. There may be more scenarios or, or, I don't know, people who are always at home to begin with and they're going to find a bigger market for them as well, realizing that not everything will be able to fit into theaters, especially because, and I still don't say how people don't get this, let's save every movie to come out at the same time. Can't wait for that moment. I can't <laughs> wait for that moment. We'll see how that goes when they're all fighting for it. But, yeah. Paramount Pictures was set to finance and distribute Martin Scorsese's next film, Killers of the Flower Moon, starring both Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro. However, after the budget rose to over $200 million, the studio let Martin Scorsese take his film elsewhere. Now companies like Netflix and Apple are apparently competing to finance the new movie, but art, yay or nay, $200 million is too much to pay for a Martin Scorsese movie. No, you, yay or nay. I hate to break my own question, but it's like it depends. Like it's too much to pay if I if I'm uh, Paramount, maybe. But for Apple, that that's a bargain. That's a bargain. You look at what uh, the money that Netflix spent on the Irishman did. I think that did a lot for legitimizing Netflix's platform as this prestige uh, studio. You know, they, whether it's the ten Oscar nominations or just the fact that you know uh, they were able to play this movie in theaters for so long and get this kind of this long ass movie and get this kind of attention uh certain people value having martin scorsese in their in their group more you know i don't know if paramount does i don't know if paramount wants to spend 200 million dollars if they don't think it can do that much money in the, the box office like say what you will like he's not exactly like a like a, a box Marvel office gold hero? yeah Movie, I love Martin Scorsese. Love, love. He swindled a hundred and fifty mil off of Netflix just because Netflix, like you said, was like, "How can we sit at the cool kids table?" Exactly. Zach brought up that the main, the all of these people who who have owned the lunch table for the longest time, like Paramount. This is the second time that they have told him this is too much. We don't want it. He's like, all right, I'm going to go finish the movie somewhere else, like Zach brought up. If those people don't want it, those people are making great decisions, by the way. Clearly, they're having a great time right now. Um, If they're too dumb to see the future, and Mario Scorsese went at Marvel movies, then went at their budgets, too. (laughs) How how can I not appreciate that? And even more so is the fact that, like Zach said, all the other ones don't bite. That's fine. It's Martin Scorsese. Mm -hmm. Apple is new. I loved his joke. He said, Queeby, all of these new streaming services are willing to pay any amount of price to get Martin Scorsese, and like he said, the access to the Cool Kids table, those 10 nominations, Absolutely. the prestige to your thing. Last week, we had talked about that uh, stupid quote from the Sony Pictures, again, talking about the old lunch tables over here uh, that said, take 10 movies from Netflix, and all of us, the first thing we thought of was The Irishman. What 150 mil was nothing for Netflix. They invested in something that's going to live on forever with film fans and just the prestige that it was given. Absolutely. I want Marty yeah, to get it, 250. It's it's all about whether or what what that value is to you. And I understand why Paramount might, th- might not think that $200 million is the right, the right evaluation, but I know 
Apple is ready to drop that money. Yes. And I hope they do. Yeah, same. Quibi was underwhelmingly unveiled recently. The streaming app CEO Meg Whitman has said that the app received 1.7 million first week downloads. Mm -hmm. However, it's failed to capture attention or social media chatter. And as a result, Quibi is already pivoting to TV. It's said that a smart TV app will be made available in the coming weeks so that Quibi can be watched more easily at home. Yay or nay, Quibi would still be a mobile-only platform if it weren't for coronavirus lockdown. As someone who has listened to hours of Meg (laughs) and Katzenberger, it's still calling Katzenberger, it's Katzenberger, but I keep saying Katzenberger. No! They've been talking about this since 2018. We're not going to, it's going to be mobile only. No phones, no phones, no phones. That's for the other stuff. Literally in, oh my gosh, I know this backwards and forwards. Literally in their marketing for it was that being a big pitch for why they're not Netflix and why they're not someone else. Because my theory was always that they were going to push as they were doing their promos. Oh, thank you, CNNBC. We can't wait to see you on Quibi. We can't wait to see you, TMZ, on Quibi. What do you think they were going to do for Netflix? We would love to see little Netflix Quibi stuff. They never wanted to be competition. That was a huge push for them. Their app is trash, and they want to go viral without being able to (laughs) screenshot stuff. Are you... Yeah, I don't know if... uh if not being available on TVs is Quibi's biggest problem, but it certainly is a problem in this age of accessibility and and like being able to watch things on any device. Go ahead. What's your question? Will I be able to move the TV like this? (laughs) (laughs) Depends on whether you got it uh, set up on the, on the, whatever it's called. I don't know. I don't know. I really want to see Chris's court on a a 60 inch. (laughs) Vertical 60 inch. Actual size, like what's the point? <laughs> oh. Yeah, I mean, it, it's weird because you know I was thinking about uh, our podcast gets viewers from a d- bunch of different places. You know, sometimes people listen to us on Spotify, sometimes people uh, watch us on YouTube, some people do it on their phones. Uh, you can do all these things. You can listen to the Intercut Pod from your like smart device. Mm-hmm. We make the content available for where you are. Quibi hasn't learned that lesson. It t- it took. It failing to learn that lesson. Right? I don't even get it. Another weird thing that they did was they reserved the better shows for the second week. Yeah. What? (laughs) Yeah, and the way that they're rolling them out is so delayed to a degree that they're not even going to have enough of the content on there. So I still think that they have potential here. But this question right here that they're still fixing things. I thought y'all had two bill invested. Y'all still figuring it out. That's a little worrisome. That's a little worrisome. But I I wish them the best. Go free. Be free. Well, that's about it for yay or nay. Make sure to leave us a question in the YouTube comments or by emailing us at intercutpod at gmail.com to get it featured on the next show. You can also reach out to us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Our handle is at intercutpod on all three. Intercutpod, short for podcast. Be an intercutie and send us your movie, TV, and entertainment questions. For now, we move on to our topic of the week, uh, and it's an exciting one. I think we're all really pumped to do this mm-hmm. uh, as, as time moves forward and we all get older. Movie stars start to look a little more like us in our age, uh, and we're looking at a, pl- of a bunch of people who are not yet 30 years old and which one of them we feel like we're going to grow with as a movie star who is the best movie star for now and for the future 
uh, among our crop of actors that are under 30 years old? It's an interesting question uh, for several reasons. We have to you know, define what is a movie star, what is the best movie star, but one thing that we don't have to define is what is too old. 30. So here are some people that are too old to compete on our list. Uh, Taron Edgerton, Juno Temple, Riley Keough, Daniel Radcliffe, Brie Larson, Jesse Buckley, Dakota Johnson. All of them are 30 years old. Kristen Stewart turned 30 on April 5th. Emma Watson turned 30 on April 15th. Ineligible for our list. Elizabeth Olsen, Emma Stone, Glenn Powell, Daniel Kaluuya, Anna de Armas, Aquafina, Jesse Plemons, and Alicia Vikander are 31 years old. Mackenzie Davis is 32 years old. Where are the rest of the good 32-year-old actors? I couldn't find them. <laughs> Yaya Abdul-Mateen, Robert Pattinson, Michael B. Jordan, Cynthia Erivo, Miles Teller, Betty Gilpin, Shia LaBeouf, Army Hammer. They're all 33 years old. Gal Gadot, Dane DeHaan, Anna Kendrick, Amanda Seyfried, Rooney Mara, 34, all of them too old for this list. Uh, we had a bunch of others that also did not make our list. Whether that's Lola Kirk, Jack Rayner, Logan Lerman, Zazie Beetz, Jack Quaid, Joe Curie, Mia Goth, Micah Monroe, Naomi Scott, Letitia Wright, ba- Pete Davidson, Julia Garner, Dylan Galula, Margot Qualley, Nick Robinson, Taylor Russell, Thaisa Farmiga, Alexa Demi, Nat Wolf, Sophie Turner, Noah Centineo, Catherine Langford, Asa Butterfield, Alex Wolf, Maude Apatow, Sydney Sweeney, Drell Jerome, Maisie Williams, Eliza Scanlon, Joey King, Griffin Gluck, Sophia Lillis, Finn Wolfhard, Molly B- Mo- Millie Bobby Brown, Noah Jupe, and Storm Reed all did not make our final 32. So if you're a fan of one of those people, I'm sorry. You can yell at us on YouTube. But we narrowed it. We've got 32 actors. We've seated them according to their age. So we're going to start off with our oldest actor versus our youngest, Dev Patel, who does not turn 30 until April 23rd. So he <laughs> just makes this list by, I don't know, seven days mm-hmm. uh, versus 13-year-old Jacob Tremblay. Oh, before we get into it, should we define what is the best movie star? What are our... Uh, qualification for sure what we what does that mean to you art what do you think for me uh the different variations in movie star would be uh selling a movie if they're a bankable movie star it doesn't have to be the only one it has to be someone who's carried a movie i would like to see people who have led a successful movie and a successful to us goes both ways it doesn't have to necessarily be financial it could also be a critically uh praised movie uh but also it's just our own personal opinion so I don't know what other uh, prerequisites you guys are going to have as we debate these. Fernando? Yeah, I think uh, the point that Art made about not specifically leaning towards box office, because I feel like that kind of movie star definitely is less common nowadays. Um, and definitely mm-hmm. at this age, it's a lot harder to do. I feel like a lot of Absolutely. those movie stars are either older or more well-known um, by like the large populace. Um, so definitely the being in... I want to say multiple leading roles, uh, having their movies be good or I like them. Um, but yeah, personal-wise mm-hmm. also has a lot to play into it, so we'll, we'll have to see. 
Right. The, the idea of a movie star has changed a lot since the days of like Tom Hanks, Tom Cruise yep. being able to like lead any movie. But I think uh, we can agree that like the idea of a movie star is still someone who might get you into the door. Mm-hmm. Like you hear their name is involved and that that excites you and maybe yeah. uh, makes you think there's a certain level of quality attached mm-hmm. uh, when you hear this person's name. But also they've got to be popular. You know, like yep. uh, we were arguing before this whole thing started that does Sophie Turner really belong on this list? Uh, not she hasn't necessarily had the movie career yet, but she is undoubtedly one of popular. the most popular s- people who stars in movies in the world right now. Mm-hmm. We decided no. That's up to you to decide if we uh, made a mistake or not. But yeah, let's. Uh, I also think like somebody who maybe could get into the mixer for some Oscars someday. Yeah, that too. I feel like it's got to be something. And I know as we get to the first round right here, it's got to be an actor or actress who cannot be replaced. To a certain degree, like there was nobody else who could have taken this role without this person in the movie and the movies that they've been in. The movie is not the same, which is why I am voting Jacob Tremblay for first round. <laughs> I do not believe Jacob Tremblay is replaceable in many of the films that he is in. Dev Patel, sadly, and I am not saying this to this the man because I know y'all will have good words for him. But y'all disrespect him all the time thinking he wasn't Harold and Kumar. I just got to say it. <laughs> My man Jacob Tremblay, uh, I know Zach has a great point for <laughs> the inevitableness that comes yeah. with kid actors. But uh, I'm going to put my thing. I love Dev. And he's got great movies coming up. Coming up. But Jacob's had his crazy last three years, which is like a third of his life. <laughs> Uh, Jacob has had like a pretty incredible run uh, just that he to even include him on this list uh, I think is evidence of just how uh, versatile he's been you know he emerged in Room which obviously went on to get nominated for several Oscars uh, and he followed that up with that movie Wonder more recently Mm -hmm. he was the star of Good Boys a a blockbuster comedy you know it's uh, not many people, especially not many people his age, have that type of record on on the resume. To me, though, I don't know if I want to put him in that league of best movie stars. Uh, I do think he's a little bit more replaceable because he's just kind of the cute young kid at the moment. Like I don't, we had we had a version of him with Haley Joel Osment. No, ten um, years ago. And, and sounds irreplaceable. Sounds like a once in a generation. <laughs> I, I appreciate the uh, I appreciate the help right there. You're right. He comes once in a generation. I don't know if Jacob Tremblay is going to be starring in movies even in three years, uh, if that's what he wants to do as an adult actor. Uh, And I think Dev Patel has really grown into his own. You know, he broke through with Slumdog Millionaire, obviously, uh, and had those supporting roles in in things like The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel and The Newsroom as he was like this young and -and up-and-comer. But I think Lion kind of puts him into a new place where he is now like a man, like a male movie star, a handsome dude who is going to be in The the Green Knight, that A24 Green David Lowry movie that a bunch of people are excited for. I think there's a world in which Dev, Dev Patel grows into a Ben Affleck-like movie star. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's a lot bigger than... Uh, I think we're going to get Dev Patel for 20 more years. I oh. don't know if we're going to get Jacob Tremblay for 20 more years. I uh, Before I give it off to you, Fernando, I would like to remind you that this is a best under 30, and Dev Patel is 29, as Zach put, <laughs> reaching his peak, finally becoming a man. My boy was nine years old when he was lifting weights, right? When he was in room, when he was doing what he needed to do. So I ask you, looking at the filmographies and the films that have stood out, even when it comes to bad movies, do they have a standout role? You going for Dev Patel? 
You're going for it. Sir Jacob Tremblay. <laughs> Sir Jacob Tremblay. Yeah, so looking at their filmographies, I was going to bring up the fact that, you know, it also takes a certain kind of actor to be in a lot of uh, crap movies and make <laughs> make their way out of that. Um, let's not forget Dev Patel, obviously, uh, in The Last Airbender, of course. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, he's also done, to... like... <laughs> he's also done a lot of, like... I don't know what to call them, like, like these, like, B kind of, like, dramas. Like, uh, The Man Who Knew Infinity, like, this biopic, like, kind of, like, didn't go anywhere. It's not even his fault. Like, that was the worst part that happened to (laughs) Dev Patel was they just Uh weren't giving him the roles until this past year. Exactly. And, like, Green Knight is, like, one of my most anticipated. We would have seen it by now if, you know, everything wasn't (laughs) happening the way it was happening. Um, But I feel like... It's hard because both of these actors' best years, I think, are ahead of them. But looking Gotta at go with one. But looking at the years that have already transpired, I'm gonna go with Jacob Tremblay. Um, wow. Yeah, the man. Slumdog millionaire disrespect on this podcast. <laughs> um, hey, you know how the karma goes. I'm gonna be screwed. <laughs> I'm not that big of a Jacob Tremblay fan, so I don't know why I wasted it here. All right, so uh, the next matchup is a pretty heavyweight matchup for our early rounds here. It's Saoirse Ronan versus Ansel Elgort, the 25-year-old actress versus the 25, 26-year-old uh, Baby Driver star. Ansel, of course, broke through with 2014's The Fault in Our Stars. Mm-hmm. He's had turns in the Divergent series. He starred as Baby Driver, and he will soon be in Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. Sersha, on the other hand, is 25 year old, five years old and has five Oscar nominations. Yep. Uh, star of Lady Bird, Star of Little Women, Star of Atonement back in the day, transitioned from child star into adult star. I mean, look, there's going to be people who want to see Ansel get farther than the first round. Yeah, like his mom. It just, it's just not going to happen this year. Bruh, Sersha's got, you said Atonement. How Sersha have the best role in a movie and Ansel's best performance is in his Instagram asking people to go see the Goldfinch. I'm not even <laughs> falling for it. The one thing I'll give both of them, one-namers, Sersha, Ansel, you know who they mm-hmm. are. That's the one thing that they, they both have really cool movie star names. Yeah. Sersha sweeps the floor. I don't think I need to get into it. No offense yeah, to Ansel. Ansel probably could have advanced if this was a different matchup, but not not in this matchup. Not in this matchup yeah. at all. Uh, not even close, I'd say. Uh, 28-year-old Shailene Woodley against 23-year-old Tom Holland. So Shailene Woodley, of course, broke through in 2011 with The Descendants and then, of course, Fault in Our Stars, like Ansel, and Divergent, like Ansel. Uh, other than that, she's been a little bit quiet in more recent years. She had that Snowden movie a couple years back, did do Big Little Lies, but uh, maybe a little bit less film work yep. as opposed to Tom Holland, who Which, is yep. Spider-Man. Great point. Um don't know if he's a whole lot else, but he is Spider-Man for now in the foreseeable future. I'll let you guys go first. Uh, I've been... Yeah, I'll go first. I'll go first. Um, go ahead. Shane Lee is an actress. I really like her. I remember... Um, I mean, she's in uh, a movie I really like. Um, one of like the lesser, less popular A24 movies in The Spectacular now. Um, yeah. I love great. her in that role. Um, obviously, she had her YA stuff with the with the Divergent series. It didn't really pan out the way she was hoping for and yeah. yeah she's great she's great in big little lies but we're gonna That's weigh that TV. a little bit weigh that a little bit differently because it's tv um 
And I, That'll be a theme again and again, is yeah, that yeah, yeah. we are uh, weighing their movie work a little more than their TV work. Yeah. And that's um, important. And, yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this, but she did like an interview recently where she said that she actually uh, almost quit her acting career because she was dealing with like an illness like really early on in her in her career. Yeah. So she kind of like almost quit uh, like altogether. Um, so that's mm-hmm. kind of unfortunate. Um, but she was still able to make a lot of great work during that time. Um, but yeah, I think I'm going to have to go with Tom Holland. Um, I think he has uh, a lot of stuff to come out. I mean, I know he has that one movie, Chaos Walking, that's been in development for years. Bro. Um, yeah, he's people love to be, that movie. He's supposed to be in the Uncharted movie that, again, also development held. Keeps getting held. delayed. Um, but, but yeah, I think he's a really... And then even before Spider-Man, um, he's in The Impossible. That's like a really young age. Loved The Impossible. Yeah, yeah. And, right. It has to so. be Tom Holland. As he said, if I'm looking at the movies, she hasn't been in any movies. I am excited for Ending Beginnings, uh, TIFF film yeah. that she was in. Mm-hmm. She's doing good on TV, but we all know she had, in terms of movie stars, something. I, I wish we finally get the full story on that. When all of that Divergent stuff fell out and they told her the last one's going to TV, she said... <laughs> what we're deciding right here. And she decided it herself. She said, I am not going to TV. I was promised a movie and they said, then it's not going to be done. She said, then we ain't going to do it. Then I picked Tom Holland. He's done Pixar. He's yeah. done Marvel. He's done everything. He's, that's a movie star. I think I doubt Tom Holland's future a little more than maybe most of film Twitter or maybe a little bit more than the two of you. Uh, that being said, like he is at a point right now where he is a movie star and mm-hmm. he can help get a movie made. You know, just the fact that they're attaching him to stuff like Uncharted speaks Bruh. a lot. Uh, and I, he, I don't know. Part of being a movie star is wanting to be a movie star. Yes. And I'm, I do wonder if Shailene wants to be a movie star she does, or I, if she's more comfortable doing these indies, stuff like Endings, Beginnings, and uh, White, Bird, White Bird of Blizzard, I think was another one that she... Yeah, that uh, was a great one as well. Yep. I think you had put it earlier when it was like a different bracket... Ansel wins over Sersha. A different bracket, and uh, forget a different bracket. I would watch her stuff before I watch Tom Holland be Tom Holland, but for Pixar. Tom Holland again, but this time he is uh, helping a bird with Will Smith. <laughs> Tom Holland again, but now he's Spider Man. Tom Holland, but now he's Nathan Drake. It's always Tom Holland. But that's my argument yeah. for why he's not going to win the next round. Mm. Yeah. Well, uh, he's going to go up against the winner of Zendaya and Lakeith Stanfield. This, this is a, this is a really interesting matchup, partially yeah. because I think both of both of them might be doing their best work on TV. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Zendaya is absolutely incredible as Rue on uh, Euphoria. Yes. Lakeith is just unreal, like uh, like out of this world uh, with his Darius character oh, on so Atlanta, good. just the most unpredictable, hilarious guy on TV right now. Uh, but when it comes to movies, Zendaya is a little bit greener. She's, of course, the Mary, Watts, Mary Jane Watson in the uh, Spider-Man franchises going on right now. Lakeith, on the other hand, broke through in Short Term 12, had the starring role in Sorry to Bother You. <laughs> He's done Uncut Gems, Knives Out, and more recently starred in The Photograph. Uncut Gems? <laughs> oh, man. Um, I really like Zendaya. I love Zendaya. But Lakeith Stanfield is going to be a really interesting actor for a long time. Like, I don't know if he's a character actor who does these kind of wacko supporting roles like a Philip Seymour Hoffman, or if he is a lead man and a movie star. Or, but like, I think he he kind of could be anything. And uh, it, I'm Love definitely going to pick him here. Yeah. I, I had to pick Lakeith too, only because of the fact that we don't have Dune yet for Zendaya. 
Yeah. And I, right. I can't really count the Spider-Mans. I know the, uh, different people on this would love her. For, they love what she's done with MJ. And I will give her that. She has changed the role of MJ to fit her completely, which is what a great actress would do. Uh, some people are bigger fans of her interpretation there. Uh, but Euphoria, I think, is the biggest thing that she's done. That cannot be counted here. But my boy, like you said, Get Out is his line. He said it at the Oscars, homie. He said right, it right. at I the Oscars in character. You're talking about is he a character actor? Is he this? I don't know what Lakeith is. Lakeith is always acting. He is always in the mode. So I, it's got to go for him. I can't wait to see, like, we're talking about a person where third a fifth of his career i don't even know where he's gonna end up yeah no he's all right he's insane i I vote with keith too but both of them i mean he's working with gambino and uh hero and zendaya's working with the the people from euphoria and the the people that they got for the second season yeah they have they're in good circles Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely our next matchup is 29 year old jennifer lawrence against 23 year old caitlin deaver uh, so Jennifer Lawrence, I don't know if it needs much explanation, but she broke through with Winter Winter's Bone in 2010, won an Oscar in 2012 for Silver Linings Playbook, but has been nominated four times already. Mm-hmm. And beyond that, she did Hunger Games, a few of those movies. She did a few of those X-Men movies. She was did Mother. A little bit of a break in the last couple of years, but she's got a few projects lined up, uh, including I think she's set to be in Adam McKay's Theranos movie, which is a really interesting project for her. Yeah. Uh, Caitlin Deaver, on the other hand, uh, also broke through in Short Term 12, 2013. She's kind of been uh, on the peripheries a bit. She's ended great. up getting a Golden Globe nomination for her work in Unbelievable, a Netflix show that Art and I are big, big fans of. Uh, and then, of course, became a big star last year for Booksmart, mm-hmm. uh, the Olivia Wilde comedy. So I, it, I don't know, guys. I mean... Jennifer Lawrence has taken a break, but she's still a gigantic movie star. She's still a huge name. She's a four-time Oscar nominee before the age of 30. I, I kind of, as much as I love Caitlyn Deaver, I do kind of think we got to go J-Law here. I am really excited to see what Caitlyn has in store. She's even done video games. When she came out at the end of Uncharted, yeah. it blew my mind. I was like, that is 100%. And I searched it up. Yes, it was. It was funny because we had just rewatched Booksmart. We were in the middle of watching Unbelievable. And this girl appears again. So without a doubt, the forces that be are telling me that she's going to be a huge star. This is a bracket for right now. It is very hard to be Jennifer Lawrence unless we start getting into the third rounders over here. Uh, but I cannot wait to see what uh, Caitlin has in store. And she's she's going to have a career on her for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but J-Law just she's done Made the so moves. much. Yeah, she's done a lot. And her, I mean, she's not even, how old did you say she was? Uh, I think she's 29 now. Okay, so she's almost 30, but. But that's yeah, one but, hell of a decade, bro. That is one mm-hmm. hell of a decade, whether you like and her Caitlin, or not. And Caitlyn Deaver might have just as much range and just as much talent, but she hasn't had the opportunities that Jennifer yeah. Lawrence has already had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, our next matchup, it's the internet's boyfriend, Timothy Chalamet, up against Barry Keegan. Uh, I think we like Barry Keegan a lot. He's done a lot of really interesting films. He's got a part in Dunkirk. <sighs> He's in Yorgos Lanthimos' Killing of a Sacred Deer. He's in American yeah. Animals. Uh, I, I'm really... I think he's going to be a very interesting actor for many, many years. Uh, Timothy is becoming one of the rare, like, big-name young men. I, I like just the amount of Oscar-adjacent or Oscar-winning material even that he's already appeared in. 
and as you mentioned, he's got Dune upcoming. Uh, he, I feel like he's easily the bigger star right now. Yeah. Um, I'm going to start like... wasting less time on the first round. It is Timmy okay, all the okay. way. Yeah, Timmy, Barry Timmy. Yeah. is the actor who you said was going to be the next Philip Seymour Hoffman. I don't see that being a Lakeith. Right. That's okay. Barry. Barry will always be underappreciated for the rest of his career. He has never turned in a bad performance. They will never bank him as a movie star, though, sadly. <laughs> you said uh, that you think Barry Keegan could be the next Philip Seymour Hoffman. I think our next matchup actually might have okay. the next Philip Seymour Hoffman. Well, uh, uh, Will uh, did Pol- you pick one? Did you pick one? I want to make sure he got his oh. saying. Oh, uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, Timmy, Timmy. Okay. Yeah, I figured it was uh, Timmy all the way around. All right, so our next matchup is the 27-year-old Will Poulter versus the 25-year-old Haley Lou Richardson, uh, someone that I know both of us have close to our hearts. Will Poulter... Uh, Loki is doing a really interesting job of becoming just a random character actor in all yeah. these different movies, whether yeah. it's his turn in Midsummer, uh, his terrifying appearance as in Detroit. Uh, he, he's just, he's got an interesting face, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I, I see his face and I think Bandersnatch. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I think he can kind of take some of these fun, uh, off-kilter supporting roles, and that's why I see him maybe more in the Philip Seymour Hoffman vein. Mm-hmm. Haley Lou Richardson, she, she's, I think she can be a lot, though. Um, I don't know if she's necessarily gotten the opportunities quite le- quite yet, uh, but I just rewatched Support the Girls in the past week, and if, if she isn't just, like, the brightest presence, <laughs> I, I don't know what it's at. This one's, I think this one's pretty evenly matched. Like You can make good arguments for both of them. He's um, had bigger well, movies. Yes. I also will say, you know, where the Millers is, I think, I don't know if it has like the greatest reputation, but like it has long, funny I moments, think, right? I, it's hilarious. Yeah, no, right? no why regrets. are you? Why are you supporting We're the Millers when you were so against Emma Roberts before we <laughs> talked? Well, we'll get to that because I mean that's I'm one. I'm so confused. Yeah, we will get to that. We'll get you to would, that. Okay, we'll get to that. But that's what. What's your pick okay? then? That's one yeah. movie, okay. Um, I will say Will Poulter also really great in the first Maze Runner, which is another like one of the YA movies. I he, think. Yeah, he's actually really good in that. Very, really decent. Um, he's also in the Revenant uh, in the supporting role. Um, God, this is hard. Uh, is there something to be said about the fact that Will is such a good supporting actor and Haley looks like a star? I don't know if she's she's going to have as big of a career as him, but she would maybe more likely be the lead in a movie. Later, but we're judging by what they did right now. Yeah, I mean, she's got Columbus. She uh, does have five feet apart, and I love Columbus, and I love her role in Split. But my boy has worked like in the genres of comedy, Chronicles of Fantasy, Fantasy. Maze Runner, (laughs) Utopia, Detroit, Black Mirror, Midsommar. (laughs) (laughs) That has to be a gift. There's almost got a, <laughs> um, Bro, yeah. Get yeah, out of yeah, here, yeah, 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 man. I, I'm just, I, I, I got a crush on Haley Lou too, but, but yeah. You we'll, have we'll, a crush. Oh, we'll this, oh, this, did you hear that, Zach? He has a crush. <laughs> what? Yo, welcome to the Intercom Podcast, cute. That's buddy. Cute. <laughs> I'm, sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. No, no. Wait till we, we get we to all... Zoe Deutsch, then we'll see what we talk about here. <laughs> no, that's true. It's got to be. It's got to be Will Poulter. Haley Lou is one of the ones that I think all three of us have a big soft spot for. But based on what they've done so far, I think we're we're going to I'm not biased. I can't be biased. It's Will. 
It's Will. And then uh, we got Chloe Grace Moretz, the 23-year-old, up against Bill Skarsgård, the 29-year-old. So uh, Bill, aside from being the star of the highest-grossing horror movie of all time, time. has also had roles in Deadpool 2, Allegiant, Assassination Nation, and he's set for a few interesting upcoming movies, including the next film from Antonio Campos, the next film from Robert Eggers, a couple other starring roles. Chloe Grace Moretz, though, in her short career, has starred in several movies from many acclaimed directors. Uh, She's worked in a variety of genres, and although she hasn't necessarily gotten one of those, like, Young uh, young adult franchises off the ground in what looks like several attempts. She's still uh, she's still showing up in a lot of interesting movies. I think she uh, is great in a movie that you and I both love, uh, the Miseducation of Cameron Post, which yes. was a Sundance winner. I kind of want to go play with Grace Moretz here. You brought up at the exact time that I had uploaded it. All of her misfires out the fifth wave. What was the, I didn't care for the Carrie remake. You know, I'm, I'm Adam's family. Like I, Greta, I'm seeing a lot of things on here. Brain on fire. Neighbors two. Sure. Fifth wave. Dark places. Equalizer. If I stay. She's closet. had a lot of at bats. It's a lot of at bats. My boy dressed up in that Pennywise, and you said it was the highest grossing movie. Do you give him credit for that though? Because I what's I don't what's know the name of the title? I give him credit. What's the name of the title of the movie? Because it, <laughs> do you think that wouldn't have been the title if they got somebody other than Bill Skarsgård? No, he literally is what people talk about. It's the red balloon. It's what made it the meme. That's what made it huge. It was his transformation into the role. Well over the kids, I would argue as well. You don't think so? I I don't know if he's the reason those movies are successful. Hmm. I I don't know if he's like a bad presence either, but like I think his I, portrayal of Pennywise is a lot more physical than we think it is. I would argue. So are you going? So are you going Bill over Chloe? He also had. I can't bring up Divergent because that failed, but he was in Deadpool. I'm. I, I don't think either. To be honest with you, I'll pick him, but it's not going to matter for the next round. Fernando, I'm gonna. I'm gonna pick Bill too. I just, yeah. Chloe has too, too many, like, stinkers. Dude, in there. the moment you told <laughs> me, you're like, yeah, she has had a lot of at-bats. I felt bad because she has Cameron Post, and Sundance yeah. dropped it, bro. I, I will say they one of my favorite roles it. from her was when she was really young in uh, 500 Days of Summer, the sister of uh, uh, JGL. She was really funny yeah, in that role. That's the other thing, I think, uh, kind of hovering over Chloe Grace Moretz is that some of her best work was when she was, like, pre-18. Hey, girl. Uh, kick-ass. Kick-ass. Also, yeah. Uh, but Miseducation of Cameron Post, I'm, I'm still believing your talent, Chloe. Uh, but Bill wins this one. Next matchup is Margot Robbie, the 29-year-old, Oof. versus 22-year-old Elle Fanning. Uh, Elle Fanning has had a really interesting career, particularly uh, when she made that transition from like child to adult in that she went from movies like Super 8 into uh, Neon Demon. Yeah. And has, uh, she's done a lot of stuff where directors are, I think directors like using her look because she's such a striking presence. Uh, Margot Robbie is also a very striking presence. She broke through with The Wolf of Wall Street in 2013, became an Oscar nominee for I, Tonya in 2017. Uh, she's never really been 
a supporting actress. She kind of right away was starring in stuff like Focus and Suicide Squad and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Bombshell and Birds of Prey. She got the legendary cameo in the big short. I, this isn't an argument to me. This is Margot Robbie. Yeah, Margot Robbie wins the, the, the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Zoe Deutsch up against Beanie Feldstein. Wow. Zoe Deutsch uh, has done a lot of interesting parts. Uh, she's been kind of like the quirky girl in yep. several movies. What was that Netflix one, uh, the romantic comedy with Glenn Set Powell? It, set it up. Yeah, uh, and she's also I, – I liked her a lot in Buffalo. Buffalo most recently uh, that came in, out. Yeah, that just came out recently. Uh, so she's still kind of making her a name for herself. Beanie Feldstein, of course, uh, became uh, a breakout through Booksmart last year. I kind of feel like the the floor or the ceiling's a little higher with Zoe Deutsch, but How so? I'm willing to hear the Beanie uh, Feldstein argument too. She's well, beanie has got the uh, upcoming Richard Linklater 20 year movie project that she's attached to. I mean, if that's not an investment, she's gonna be here. I don't know what else <laughs> is. I'm I'm gonna go Beanie only because I feel they keep having Zoe. I really like Buffalo, but for the most part, she yeah, plays right? the girlfriend since Sweet Life on Deck. She's been the girlfriend who will talk back at you. And I was like, I really want them to do something more. And Buffalo, I think they did. I wish that had a bigger theatrical run. I think it was a Tribeca movie, right? Yeah. Um, but Beanie, they are allowing her to be whatever she wants to be. I don't think Beanie gets withheld as being the side girlfriend. And they've allowed Beanie to be whatever. She's got uh, How to Build a Girl coming up. I, I, I mm-hmm. want to say that they're doing a VOD release with that. Like you said, the 20-year yeah. uh, movie. And then Booksmart. It's a fantastic role for her. Um, yeah. Fernando? Yeah, I know when you mentioned the crush thing, I know Zach has a big soft spot for Zoe too. I just, I'm not like super familiar with her to be honest. Like I haven't seen, like I've seen Set It Up. Um, She's good. I haven't seen Buffalo yet. Um, it's great. But yeah, I'm gonna go with Beanie too. I think she she has a lot of potential also. Um, I know- They both have potential. Yeah, I know this isn't not like potential. They film have related, it. but she's also playing Monica Lewinsky in the next uh, crime American crime series. Who? Beanie Feldstein. Yeah. I mean, but it it doesn't. It, but that's here's TV. the thing with TV. I think it still matters. Okay. It's not movies, but it still matters. Okay. Oh, exactly. Oh, you tell me that. I agree with you. Yeah, 100% it matters. I thought we were just keeping it to TV. But who are you picking? You got to pick someone because we still in the first round. Yeah, I'm picking Beanie. Okay. All right, uh, speeding this up, Daisy Ridley against Florence Pugh. I mean, Daisy Ridley is the star of a gigantic film franchise, but Florence Pugh's 2019 was just kind of like one of those years where where a certain actress becomes like a huge, huge star uh, just alone between Midsommar and Little Women. Uh, Not to mention she also had Fighting With My Family that year. I think she wins this one. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I love Daisy. Yes, I'm a big Star Wars fan. But yeah. she, yeah, you, you're not even picking her. No, 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 because I still think she needs more work too. I mean, she's also in Chaos Walking with Tom Holland that still hasn't come out. Um, but yeah, Florence yeah. just her last year was insane. So Florence yeah. Pugh 2019 yeah. over Alicia Vikander 2017 every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and Daisy I think needs to do some non-Star Wars stuff. You know, she's kind of been trapped in that franchise a little bit. Mm-hmm. Lucas Hedges versus Emma Roberts. This is the one, the the person that Art has a grudge against versus the person Fernando for some has, reason a has a grudge against, against for some reason. Why do you hate Emma Roberts? Yeah, I, why do you hate her? I don't hate Emma Roberts. Okay, but when we were picking like 
like weekly because we were like trying to shift around the list the the bracket here and there uh before we started the podcast and i was like emma roberts like when i think of her i i like nothing really comes to mind except we're the millers and i went on her <laughs> her thing uh her filmography and i was like she was a nerve i didn't like who saw that uh paradise hills sundance movie but i didn't see it um she was like she's i don't know like i don't think She's been in like the movie star. She doesn't have. He just the hates movie all star. the Roberts. He hates Eric. He just Julie hates them all. Yeah, that's I what hate it them is. All. Um, and with that, I'll say it's easily Lucas Hedges. Okay. Are, are you willing to go Lucas Hedges here? Because it's Lucas Hedges. Who's wait? Who's their uh, Emma Roberts? I'm Emma Roberts. Go yeah. Lucas Hedges. <laughs> I don't mind Emma Roberts. I don't know why you don't like her. Yeah. Uh, Lucas Hedges has been nominated for an Oscar and he's only 23. He's been in so many good movies from so many interesting directors. It's Lucas Hedges. Uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr. versus Haley Steinfeld. O'Shea Jackson Jr., uh, low-key, pretty big movie star. You know, he's already done Straight Outta Compton. uh, Where do I have him here? Uh, Sorry. He's already done Straight Outta Compton, Godzilla in 2019, Ingrid Goes West. He was in Longshot. He was in Den of Thieves, which is getting a sequel. Ooh, ooh. It's not just getting a sequel. He is going to be a big part in the sequel if you saw the first one. Absolutely. Oh. Uh, up against Haley Steinfeld, oh. who does have some interesting work. You know, she was nominated for an Oscar as a child in True Grit. That's right. Uh, went on to do what I think is one of the best coming-of-age movies of all time in Edge of Seventeen. 17. Has done some girl. musicals. Uh, I don't know. It, she's it is on close. Apple TV right now, but I don't think that means she's not a movie star. This Agreed. one's tough for me. Uh, uh, so you're not picking her? Because she also does music, you know? When she came into the Pitch yeah. Perfect franchise, she she carried on the music oh, yeah. side of it. Even if I'm not the biggest fan of the music side, True Grit, I completely forgot. Because I'm so used to all of the more modern stuff that she's been doing. Like you said, the Apple stuff. Uh, and she's so good in True Grit. She's Spider-Gwen How- and in Into the Spider-Verse. She was in Charlie's Angels as well? How do I- uh, she was in a little Dicky video. So I'm going to have to go with the... Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I really do like Haley Steinfeld. She's going up against who again? Just to verify. O'Shea Jackson Jr. But as I'm looking at her films, bro, we just had a bracket, and O'Shea Jackson played a little part in a movie that went a long way for us on that neon bracket. And I feel he tends to take a lot more roles where he's doing different things. I will say this. she She's a much better actress, though. So this is where I think it gets interesting. I'm going to leave it to y'all. She's yeah, the better is, actress, but he's getting better roles. But he plays the same character all the time. It's always O'Shea Jackson in in Longshot. The same thing. You just got to add a little Catholic to it. You know what it, I would say to that is that uh, he's essentially playing Ice Cube, and Ice Cube has also had a great movie career. Uh, <laughs> um, so that, that is one of the best responses that you've given to one of these brackets. Are you going to him then? I'm going O'Shea. I'm going O'Shea yeah. too then. Damn, I'm I don't want to watch Pitch Perfect four. I was going Haley. I think to me the the actress thing weighs over a little bit more for me, just because. Hmm. Yeah, I think I will say to go back on the neon. He is the best part of Anger Goes West. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Haley easily could have won this and on a different day. I and if she did, she was going to lose her. the next one anyway. That's the, <laughs> we know the bracket game. 
Yeah. All right. Our next matchup is Anya Taylor Joy versus John Boyega. Uh, John Boyega, of course, has yeah. been in the Star Wars movies for the past few years, but he also fit in some work in Detroit and Pacific Rim 2 after breaking through with Attack the Block in 2011. Still my favorite performance of his. And he's got a few upcoming movies as well, whereas Anya Taylor Joy recently starred in Emma but broke through in The Witch and uh, also had an interesting role in Thoroughbreds, a movie that we like on this podcast uh i kind of want to go john boyega here i just i just think he's a bigger star already a bigger name uh and i i kind of believe in his potential as a as a movie star it's this is interesting um so john boyega i don't know if you guys follow him on instagram but he's doing like instagram lives like every single day and he's like so charismatic like yeah he's he's very charismatic dude he's so funny um and yeah, obviously he has way bigger movies compared to Anya Taylor Joy. Anya Taylor Joy is a really good actress. Like she is the witch. Um, she's going to be in Last Night in Soho. In Soho, yeah, I don't. Um, Dude, New Mutants, bro. <laughs> when we finally get that in twenty seventy nine, bro, you're going to regret not choosing her as your pick for this bra- for, for this uh, bracket right here. Who are you going? I- I'm going Anya. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go John Boyega. I think he also he does have a lot of potential too. He's also producing a lot of stuff for Netflix. Um, he has like a deal with them now. Yeah, but like, he doesn't want to go to Disney Plus. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm gonna pick John Boyega. All right, it's fair enough. All right, so uh, John Boyega wins that matchup. In the next, we've got Kiersey Clemens versus Kelvin Harrison Jr. Uh, we like, we all like Kiersey Clemens on this podcast. You know, she starred in a couple interesting indie movies. Uh, Kelvin Harrison Jr., though, that dude is an actor uh, from <laughs> just I think Loose and Waves by themselves would pu- would put him ahead of half this list for me. When wow. you said I want to work on a. Zach, when you text me and you said, I want to work on a bracket of the best movie actors under 30 who, like, have potential. And I was like, so loose? That's all I'm thinking of. The definition of who has potential. You've seen some of these. You were, like, worried uh, Tremblay may not have it once he goes through puberty or this or that. We don't know what's going to stop this man. And we are scared. Because I think he's just as psychotic as his own characters that he's been playing in these movies. The directors (laughs) he's worked with. He helped write the script for Loose. And waves, oh, or for waves, waves rather yeah. waves. I mixed them up. My um, he's just got some bangers. I know it's it's a personal thing, but literally the tra- the, the trajectory this man is going forth. One of the reasons we weren't able to get a, a Jerome on this was because while he did have the spot in Moonlight, his biggest one was a TV performance with When They See Us. Love it. He's not missing any TV over here. He is not missing any whatsoever. Uh, or sorry, movies. He's also not missing TV because supposedly he's coming out in Euphoria. Right, yeah, he'll be in Euphoria on uh, season two. We it's, just found out, it's Calvin so. all the way for me, but I really like um, I really like the independent movies that uh, Clemens does a lot. They're very yeah. cute. They're very heartwarming movies. Yeah, Calvin. All right, so Calvin here, and then our last first round matchup is uh, the second youngest person in our bracket, Thomason McKenzie versus the second oldest, Aaron Taylor Johnson. Now, Aaron Taylor Johnson. Uh, broke through in Kick-Ass in 2010. He's had supporting roles in Godzilla and Avengers Age of Ultron. Had that Golden Globe win for Nocturnal Animals that I forgot about before this podcast. 
Uh, and he's going to be in both Tenant and The Kingsman, so he's got some interesting th- things coming up. Thomasin McKenzie, though, in her short career, has already done uh, Leave No Trace. Insane. Rabbit. Uh, you mentioned something that she has coming up. What do you mean? Well, she's going to be in Didn't The Last she... Night in Soho. On top yeah. of that, she's right. in Lost Girls right now on Netflix, The True History of the Kelly Gang. I hate that movie. She's the best part in it. <laughs> JoJo, King, like... I'm going her. Yeah. I'm going Thomason too. I think also because, like, if you're looking at the age difference, like, Aaron had a lot more time to Go do a it. lot more crazy things. And Thomason's, like, so still so young. And her, her like, filmography's already, like, looking like a career, you know? There is no stopping her curve. There is no yeah. there is no curve for her. She is, she. what you're looking at right now, and I keep saying it, she is um, Jennifer Lawrence. Mm this ahead of you yeah you think that her leave no trace performance is essentially like the jennifer lawrence winter's bone like i am here i'm a star right right? like if you're looking at the projections this girl has everything going for her i I do like aaron taylor johnson but he could not run a bullet (laughs) yeah i i don't know if aaron taylor johnson is necessarily going to be like a star i don't think he's the star of uh Kick ass. Either the, the second or the king's. Exactly, he's, he's not. He's a supporting actor in them. He's just going to be a supporting there, and I feel that for like a lot of the stuff, he may not be like like what you said, the standout. Whereas Mackenzie, it's just a matter of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's killed it with the performances she's had. All right, so uh, that wraps up our first round. Let's try and breeze through the rest of this bracket, starting with Jacob Tremblay versus Saoirse Ronan. I think we're all. Uh, in agreement here that it's the five-time Oscar nominee yes. who's still only 25 years old. Yes. Yep. Yep. Uh, Tom, Tom Holland versus Lakeith Stanfield. This is a little bit more interesting because uh, Tom might be more on that giant movie, movie star, star trajectory, range. Yes. but I think we're all more interested in what Lakeith brings to the table. Mm-hmm. We know what Tom brings to the table. It's the same damn outfit that they put him in in every movie, whether he's a cartoon or not. Let's go. That's why I go Lakeith here. Lakeith. Like I, I, I'm and, fascinated with yes. what he can be doing. And it's yeah. not just indies. He's in a lot. He's he's in regular sized movies. I know I'm gonna we're gonna see him in blockbusters. He is in Oscar culture, culture moving movies. Like yeah. I, I have more. He, yeah. He's not the bigger movie star, but he's the better actor that still carries with him movies that we remember in. Remember him in four, like short term 12. The first thing you're thinking of is his scene. Um, yeah. Get out. It, he says the name. And it's the, it's the, what we remember the most. He's, he's in the beginning of the movie. He's a scene stealer in yeah. a way that I don't know Tom Holland is. Mm-hmm. Um, Jennifer Lawrence versus Timmy, Ch- Timmy Chalamet. Oh, this is an interesting on. matchup. I think this is easily Jennifer Lawrence's if we did this bracket uh, two <sighs> years ago. But given that she's maybe had a little bit of a break and Timmy's just been on nothing but a rise, uh, makes this a competition. I still think this is J-Law. You're right, and I want to argue otherwise, but you are correct. Mm-hmm. Because what I was going to say about Timmy, j already has. Timmy found a way to be the popular, cool, hot, uh, you read it on the girls' magazines guy. Yet he's an Oscar contender. He found a way to be both. And a lot of people, like we've been yep. seeing, tend to be on one side. Uh, you know, they're like the really critical darling or they're like the big, everybody loves them because they have a huge fan base. You have your Noah Centineos or you'll have, you know, your Barry Keos. This man's right in the middle. He's going to be carrying big franchises and all these smaller Oscar movies. He's a leading man, but he could kill it as Lady in Lady Burn as a side character. 
Jennifer Lawrence has been doing all of this already and has already been awarded. She has carried herself franchise and she's already had her independent movies. She's had her big uh, blockbusters. She's had her Oscar films. She's already done it. When we do this again in three years, I'll give it to my boy because J-Lo's already gone. <laughs> but for right now, he's up there, but she's yeah already Fernando, are, are three heterosexual dudes missing something about Timothy Chalamet? I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, I had an inclination, and I think I might still pick Timmy just because I want to ask. Yeah, I want to ask, like, are we looking at it at a standpoint where we think where they're going to go or just like right now in this moment? Right now and when they're gonna go, all Jayla's he's like, gonna do is catch up to her. Yeah, yeah. But obviously, like Zach mentioned, Jayla like is taking this break. Her last couple movies, like some have been hit or miss. Some haven't been that memorable. Like Joy, yeah, you know. Red Sparrow. Red Sparrow. Um, I like Mother a lot, but I know that's very. very Yo, I can uh, like mixed. my boy. Don't um, have any under his list. And if we're gonna talk about what age he is. Then don't include that time of her life. Include this when she was killing it and already had nominations yeah. faster than him. Yeah. Wins faster than him, probably. When did she get a win, yeah. though? What? Because I know it was for Silver Linings. Uh, when did she win? Yeah, when did she win? So how old would she have been compared to what Timothy is right now? Because I see what you're trying to compare him for, but you got to compare him on the same age then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In 2012, she's probably, what, 22? Timmy right now is? Um, I know Timmy was what... It's a little bit different, too, because the Oscars like to reward an ingenue, and men usually have to wait until their 40s to get an Oscar. But I, that's, I, no, that's I a, that's a fair. Point. That's a fair. It's a fair point. I hear the point, though, and I do think it, J-Law has ascended to a certain level uh, that maybe Timmy has, doesn't have the longevity for mm-hmm. yet. Yeah. Um, and I was just thinking, like, like, personally, like, you know, she's had a lot of bangers, obviously, um, and a lot of financially successful movies. But since she's had the longer career, she also has more stinkers in there, obviously, like Passengers. Um, and then obviously, you know, her whole thing with X-Men, like after a point, she like didn't really care anymore. She was just making right. bank, um, mm-hmm. which I guess is so like kind of a smart thing. But but yeah, uh, I would have gone Timmy. But Sometimes movie stars just show up yeah, in big yeah, yeah. movies. That's true. That's true. Um, I would have gone hey, Timmy, but. Jay hey, Timmy through. did that too, right? He got called out. He wanted to work with a certain director. He got to work with a certain director, and then for whatever that's, reason, he didn't want to do that. You can say what you will, true, but that happened. True. He also hey, a couple had a bit of people on this list. The people who you he's could. worked with, bro. Dude, he's got Denny. Yeah. French Dispatch. He's got Wes yeah, Anderson. This might all change once Dune comes out, but yeah, okay, yeah. If, if both of them had a movie out right now, I am clearly picking him. But she is the better <laughs> star under thirty at the moment, and yeah, in yeah, three yeah. years, yeah. he may surpass her. But that's in three years. Will Poulter versus Bill Skarsgård. Uh, I've, I've made my feelings on Will Poulter known. That's why I would go with him here. It's Poulter. Yeah, Poulter. Yeah. Uh, Margot Robbie up against Beanie Feldstein. Mar- I like Beanie Feldstein a lot. But, I do too. You know, we, Margot Robbie is just a kind of undeniable star, I think. Won she's, the bracket, yeah. she's the one who gets movies made right now. So. Mm. Florence Pugh versus Lucas Hedges. I, I do love my boy Luke. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate I think it. this is a tough matchup for him uh, that he has come up against the internet's new favorite home chef. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, she Pugh has just shown such uh, vi- variety and su- such a – she's just so watchable. She's so charismatic. She – I don't know. I, I kind of think it's it's her here. On uh, Hulu, they have um, the boxing one, the fighting one, the wrestling one. 
fighting with my fighting family. With my family. Uh, and it comes up, and it always takes me five seconds to go, oh, that's Florence Pugh. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's Florence Pugh. All right, so unfortunately, Lucas's run ends no, here. No. Uh, the next matchup we got is O'Shea Jackson Jr. versus John Boy Yeager. Uh, two super charismatic dudes. Uh, O'Shea Jackson maybe has a little bit more variety. John Boy Yeager definitely has been in the bigger movie. Um, we mentioned that uh, O'Shea is a little bit limited in his his range. I don't. I know. think I mean, John Boy Yeager is as well. Are John Boyega's always yelling like he does on Twitter. In my opinion, I'm going O'Shea. You're going O'Shea. Yeah. Um, I'm going to make Zach decide. I'm going to go John Boyega. Clever. I I think John Boyega has, has shown a little bit more uh, leading man potential, maybe. For sure. Uh, you know, just you look at like, stuff like Pacific Rim. Uh, I think he maybe will have the bigger career. Who knows? Okay. Then Kelvin Harrison Jr. and Thomason McKenzie in our last second round matchup. Oh uh, my gosh! I'm I'm going Kelvin here. I just Kelvin. I think Kelvin is a really special actor. He's making movies. Um, I, I think he's just I think he's going to be a much bigger actor than he is now. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Thomason will be too, but I, I'm oh, Tom- really yeah. into Kelvin's future. Thomason's going to be great, but the longevity that I give my man over here is that he's already helping write scripts. He is he is yeah. creating relationships with directors, and uh, think of the actors right now who we want who we're hoping these become. Leo, you start thinking of the directors he's worked with. You know what I mean? That's what I am right. looking at with these with these actors here, and he's already doing it. He's already built yeah. relationships with Trey, and it's, who knows where it goes from here? You know. Their tastes in projects, I think, is a big, yes. a big important factor here, and you can tell that he's got good taste. Saoirse Ronan, another person with great taste. Lakeith Stanfield, another person with great taste. They're in our first round matchup, and uh, this one is it, it's a heartbreaker for me. Uh, I love both of these actors. Something that I've been saying is like, oh, well, Saoirse Ronan, she's got five Oscar nominations already, but it's beyond that, she's shown a range. She's been in some action stuff. She's been in some much more dramatic material. She's even been really funny. She's funny, bro. She's hosted SNL and is very charming in interviews. I don't think she's like this, like, wound tight movie star who's like an actress. Like, she's just a, she is a presence, you know? Uh, I think she can be in pretty much any kind of movie. I feel like it's, uh, I gotta go her here. It's Sarisha. It's Sarisha, yeah. yeah. Jennifer Lawrence versus Will Poulter. Jennifer uh, Lawrence. Sorry to my boy Will, but uh, he's not the star of movies. <laughs> yeah. Jennifer Lawrence is the star of movies. Margot Robbie versus Florence Pugh. Oh, shit. Oh. oh. This one's really tough. This one's really tough. You see, oh. I wrote down... Now, Go ahead. I said I wrote down people who I think might make it to like the finals. I didn't look at like the bracket like layout, so I didn't know who would come yeah. up against who. Oh man. I I figured each one of these actresses is a good contender to maybe get to the finals, but uh, can only choose one. No, there is only one. It's Margot Robbie. I think you, you look at the way that Hollywood has also embraced her and given her projects to produce, like uh, that that they so quickly built birds of prey around her. And, yeah, it's Margot uh, Robbie right now. Yeah, yeah. Maybe for oh, that one hurts. Match her, yeah. Right now it's there, Margot. Yeah, yeah, there's Florence stuff that Margot is doing. Up. Yeah, and Florence is still five years younger, yeah. so she's got some time. John Boyega versus Kelvin Harrison Jr. Uh, we are Kelvin stands on this podcast. <laughs> 
Fernando, even you, are you going to go Kelvin here? Um, yeah, I think obviously John's been in bigger movies. I do think Kelvin's yes. the better actor, though. Yeah. So I think Kelvin will get that chance. At some what were the other movies John Boyega's been in, other than Star Wars? Pacific Detroit. Rim. Detroit. Pacific Rim uh, he was in that Facebook movie, The Circle. Circle. Yeah. Yeah. Not 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 the biggest career outside of Star Wars. So yeah, I got to go Kelvin here. Our final four, Saoirse Ronan, Jennifer Lawrence, Margot Robbie, Kelvin Harrison Jr. Uh, let's quickly talk Saoirse Ronan versus Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, I, I kind of feel like Saoirse Ronan is sort of the it, it, the big name in movies right now. I mean, I don't know. Uh, it, I think a lot of that is influenced by Jennifer Lawrence taking a step back and, you know, because... Maybe she can make a very intentional step forward into the spotlight again. Uh, but but given we're doing this in the year 2020 and we haven't really seen a good role from her since Mother, I got to go Saoirse Ronan here. Saoirse has uh, the quality of her library, as we've discussed. And, and I don't hold anything against Jennifer taking like the big role or anything like that. Um, but Saoirse is the new Meryl Streep. It, it, we're, just, we're just seeing it progress. I love Jennifer Lawrence's work, and I do believe she's gonna be the biggest star for the longest time. She is Jennifer Lawrence. Like I, I don't even yeah. like I just I just said uh, what did I say? Streep to compare where Saoirse's heading. I hope she becomes her own thing. Jennifer Lawrence is already her own thing, but yeah. uh, the hits that she has had, whereas Saoirse has curated stuff like from Atonement to Little Women. Now she is yeah. getting the role she wants to get. And has put herself in that position. The story for Little Women was she went in there. She's like, I don't want anything else but Joe. And then surprisingly, the other actress who wanted to be Joe didn't do any of the marketing with them. But she's also in the movie. That's for another day. She gets to pick her roles. Sadly, Jennifer Lawrence is still complaining about the contracts that she's in. And that sucks. That really sucks. And I'm wondering if that has to do with the pause that she had to take. Because we know about the X-Men stuff. She literally said, on screen, kill me. (laughs) So I have to go for the girl the woman who actually wants to be in front of the in picture the movie she's, she's in. in. Yeah, I feel like like uh, Jennifer oh, Lawrence uh, also struggled with that a lot. Um, yeah. I mean, there was a point where people were like oversaturated with Jennifer Lawrence, like just mm-hmm. too many things, um, which I mean, could be seen as a good and bad thing. Um, but I think Sorsha's filmography, if like you look at IMDb, it's like, it's shaping out to be something special. And I think it'll like continue. HBO continue in that so yeah, yeah Sorsha totally mm-hmm. and then our other semi-final matchup is Margot Robbie versus Kelvin Harrison Jr. Uh, probably should point out that Kelvin Harrison Jr. is our only non-blonde woman to make the final four <laughs> yeah, here yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that... waves but he was blonde <laughs> <laughs> that says a lot about Hollywood I don't know what it says about us but uh, I do think that this is Margot Robbie's matchup here you know, just yes. her, her movies have been much bigger, and she's also had the award success. I will say that the one thing to point out here to see how far Kelvin has had, looking at all of the males that we have here, I know that some of them may have worked on stuff, but he really is the only one who's ventured into being more of an artist, which is, for my own personal picks, why he's carried on so far. And he shares that with Margot, but Margot has that to a degree. That's why she beat Saoirse Ronan for me. So when y'all ready for that one, let's go. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna go Margot too. Um, I will say wow. I would have I would have wanted like an interesting setup for Kelvin, just because I know yeah. you guys love him. I know you guys love him. I guess he my, found a way my, to like, be, yeah. 
my like hesitation um i mean i think he's a great actor i'm just hoping he doesn't fall into like this realm which obviously isn't in our control but like where he doesn't land like substantial roles like past what he's at and i'd be fine if he just stays doing this for like the rest of his career like that's fine Mm -hmm. with me but obviously sort of like mid-major indies yeah Mm -hmm. um and obviously like leading like having those relationships with people um with like other filmmakers and stuff and getting involved in projects um he'll probably start producing stuff like pretty soon like he seems like like that type of uh like that type of uh filmmaker exactly artist to me um i just don't want to see him be like i'm trying to think um like that starving like the starving artist like art Mm -hmm. likes to say a lot about like um our boy uh what's his name (laughs) andy coffin um charlie coffin anomalisa and stuff like that um oh charlie coffin charlie coffin um and you know he's been in a couple of decently sized movies um all more recent i'd say um where margo has her career is like man that's crazy so were you picking kelvin zach sorry were you picking kelvin no, I'm picking Margo. Okay. Want to make sure. Yeah. So, uh, in the finals, it's Saoirse Ronan versus Margot Robbie. Uh, it's, a, it's a tough one here, and I think some of it depends on uh, what you're looking for in a movie, mm-hmm. because I, I do feel like that idea that we talked about, about the guarantee of quality, might be a little bit more there with Saoirse Ronan. Uh, but Margot Robbie has this whole, like populist entertainment side to a lot of her stuff mm-hmm. even when you look at like a movie like Wolf of Wall Street which is considered you know this critically beloved film it's still a movie that was insanely popular crazy and and is beloved in a way that I don't know if a lot of Sersha's or Ronan's roles have been yeah Lady Bird is is widely embraced but just the 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 continued success of Margot Robbie uh, to, to go from Wolf of Wall Street to I, Tonya, to Harley Quinn, I think says a lot about her place in the culture right now. I don't want to pick Margot Robbie. <laughs> Interesting. Um, yeah. I, For me? Go ahead. I was going to say, I'd pick Saoirse Ronan just because if we're doing the, the thing of, if you put two movie theaters and you don't tell me like anything about the movie or like the title or anything, you just say, Saoirse Ronan's in this movie and Margot Robbie's in this movie, I would go into the Saoirse Ronan one first. But does that Same. make Margot Robbie lesser of a movie star? No, When it you doesn't. compare Focus, when you compare Suicide Squad that people didn't like, and it still spawned a sequel that people yeah. didn't like, and yet she's still in talks to do something else with the same character. Yeah, That's yeah. a movie star. It is, it is. It's her um, own production company behind a lot of these films. Yeah. And when we're talking about the wide range of it, you're assuming that you might get the popular Margot Robbie. You're only getting one Sersha. You can get Focus Margot Robbie, or you can get uh, Oscar Margot Robbie, like the nomination that she got, and she has a bunch of other stuff in stores as well. Plus, I'm not sure the big Saoirse Ronan role that she'll take, and it's not necessarily a bad thing against her, because I wouldn't want her to compromise. I don't know if we expect Saoirse Ronan to turn up in a superhero movie Thank anytime you. soon. Yeah. Would you see another big movie that she would be in? Because, yo, she's got Barbie coming up. Margot has Barbie, still has Gotham City Sirens, for whatever reason, still in Joker, Harley Quinn project, and everything she's still producing herself. Yeah. With her own involvement. Yeah. 
So I take it you're going Margot as well here. I see uh, Margot having the potential for the upcoming years to not only be the big movie star that she's clearly just continuing heading up with even bigger directors like David O. Russell coming up, but has the opportunity, as she said with the movies that she's been in, to make sure, you know, sadly we spoke about Jennifer Lawrence, to make sure that her characters and her roles and even the people around her are being taken care of while she's making movies. And that to me is, is massive. Yeah. That, for me personally. And Fernando, I think you also decide like you you like Saoirse Ronan a lot, but for the purposes of this bracket, we're going Margot. No, he said Saoirse. Oh, you said Saoirse. Said Saoirse. It is up to you. I don't... I don't know how you're trying to spin this, but you got to pick right now. No, I pick Saoirse, but I completely like a hundred percent understand all the points you made. Um, I could, I like I can't say anything against them. Like I can't be like no, actually yeah. like nah, she she's not that good. No, Margot Robbie's yeah. insane at at the age she's at right now. Um, and she will continue to do like in incredible things. Um, I guess this is just like my own like bias of like I think. No, that's right. Sorsha is like a slightly better actress. Not saying Margot totally. isn't fantastic either. Um, so if you pick Margot Robbie, I would not be upset because she is a yeah. movie star. Yeah, she's. Yeah. All right, so I think that means Margot Robbie wins our best Whoa! movie star under thirty brackets. Before you had said we're going to make it to the finals. I thought, well, this was based on not the way that the bracket played out, yeah. but mm-hmm. just it was thinking about movie stars. I thought this was going to be an all-blonde final. <laughs> uh, I, I got three of them right. I thought it was going to be Margot Robbie, Jennifer Lawrence, and Sister Ronan. I thought Flo would get there, too. Those are my yeah, words, too. yeah, that was impossible yeah. to make. When when you rewatched his back, I had yeah. when you said both of their names, I was like, oh, Margot. I've been saying Margot's going to win the whole thing. Then you said, Pew! Yeah. <laughs> Pew would have beat Sersha for me. I, if 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 it were to come down to like the alternate type of bracket, mm-hmm. I personally yeah. feel I don't know how you guys would have felt, but it, but Pew I think would have taken it uh, against Sersha. But those three really? are really close. Like you said, when you had the four, it really just comes down to to preference. Preference at, at yeah. the end of it. Yeah, I do hold yeah. Margot and her producer. I think she's really powerful. She her is. looks, the producing power she has. But the best part is that she is does not come off like a dick and no, really cares about the people who she's working with. And that, to me, is a absolute powerhouse. Absolute powerhouse. She's worked with Tarantino. All right, so uh, let us know what we got right, what we got wrong, who the best movie star under 30 is, who should have been on our bracket that wasn't, who was on our bracket that shouldn't have been. I'm curious on all your opinions. Let us know, intercuties. Emma Roberts. Leave a comment below. Hit us uh, on Email intercutpod at gmail.com or at intercutpod across social media. We are going to get into our last segment. It's the new to see where we give you our picks for the week. Art, what are you recommending the people out there watch? Sheesh, for this week, um, I don't really have too much for this week. Maybe Cineclash over on the Let Me Explain channel every Friday hey. where you can win free movies. Oh. Uh. No, I don't really have any picks because I think this is finally the week where a lot of stuff has slowed down. So other than going back to earlier picks or stuff that people had, uh, I don't have too much. And the ones that I caught last week, like The Other Lamb, I can't fully... It was a rental for me, but I don't know what you guys have in store. Dang, yeah. Trying to you know, think this of is, uh, trying to We've think been of doing... Anything? This is episode 75, and this is the one yeah. week <laughs> after yeah. a month of quarantine where things have stalled to a degree that is crazy. Yeah, there's not that many like new things. I know there are some VOD, uh, VOD releases that came out a while ago that I'm going to try to catch up on. Um, Swallow is one 
um, that I need to see. Um, obviously, TV. I've mentioned devs before. So I don't know how long it is before it finishes, but I'll probably binge that. And then I think I think its last episode will have aired yesterday uh, when the public when the pub when the podcast is published on Friday. And I'll probably binge that. And then uh, the only other thing that I know is coming out soon that I'm really looking forward to um, is the Eddie. That's the yeah, next May show that I'm it. super pumped for. Yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah. I got something. Go for it. Bro, I saw Curb Your Enthusiasm for the first <laughs> yes! time the other night. Oh, yeah. And so Zach had told me, you'll start it from the newest episode. I was like, yeah, I'll start it with the newest episodes, right? I'm dying 10 minutes in. It's hilarious. How do they allow this? I, Larry David is, is a great match for your personality. Yeah, but they allow this? I mean, yeah, too good. <laughs> it's way too close. I don't How has he gotten away with 10? Is it 10 seasons? You got to go back. I don't. I can't even imagine he's what done. he's gone through. Like what? Like what he got away with? Because the first episode's the mega head episode. <laughs> yeah. No, that was great, man. That was great. Uh, so yeah, I just discovered Curb Your Enthusiasm. I know it's always <laughs> been there. I just have never delved into it. Chase has been telling me for years to go into watching it. So uh, I decided to check out one of the episodes uh, this past week, and I'm ready to binge that bad boy. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, for me, I got a few, uh, as I mentioned at the top, Middle Ditch and Schwartz. It's funny. It'll be on Netflix April 21st, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, I mentioned during the podcast when we talked about Haley Lou Richardson that she is such a light in support of the girls, which is just this, this beautiful little gentle movie, this slice of life with great performances, uh, from, uh, uh, Regina Hall and, uh, 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 Dylan Galula also didn't make our, our bracket. Uh, Andrew Bajalski just does, I think, the loveliest little uh, dramatic comedies, uh, stuff like this. And, and I definitely watch it on Hulu. It's one of my favorite movies from a couple of years back. Uh, Art, you finally saw the first episode of 000 on Amazon. I did. We both got to watch more of that because that is a crazy show. Uh, just the it's it's. A look at a international drug deal uh, with just this level of uh, detail and insight that is stark and interesting, and I'm just captivated by the way it's told its the story so far. Uh, and then one last recommendation, Art. I know you'll back me up on this. April fifteenth, The Fits is going to be on the Criterion Channel. Oh yeah. One of the, one of uh, my favorite favorite little uh, American Sundance? indie movies from a couple of years back about a a young girl who uh, she she gets into boxing. Yeah, it sort of has these magical realism elements to it. I, I don't want to spoil too much of it, but it's a really strikingly shot film. Wow, uh, wonderful slice of life movie. I, I definitely would recommend that if you have access to the Criterion Channel. That's cool. Uh, once it's available, that's dope. That's really cool. Yeah. But uh, I think that's all for this week's show, mm-hmm. unless you guys got some more picks for the week. But you can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd, at ZShevich. That's Z-S-H-E-V, as in the last letter of DevPedal's first name. I-C-H, and check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash show. Fernando, where can people find more from you? Uh, people could follow me on Twitter at border underscore logic, and follow me logic. on Letterboxd at Fernando uh, underscore films. Art, where can people find more from you? You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube at The A to Z Show or Let Me Explain. And you can find me every week here on the Intercut Podcast. 
Yes, you can listen to every episode of the Intercard Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. I like Overcast. And then make sure you're not just subscribed to the audio podcast. You're subscribed to the video podcast, too, on YouTube.com slash IntercutPod, where you can catch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment. Find new episodes of Intercut every Friday, and please leave us a comment, like the video. Consider heading over to Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever you call it, to give us the five-star, five-star reviews. You know that we deserve. Here we are working for you, giving you that free content. You can give us a five-star review. TV. Shout out to our listeners in South Africa and Vietnam for putting us on the TV and film podcast charts there. Uh, maybe maybe let us know who you are. I'm curious. Uh, and then also like our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter pages. All of them are at Intercut Pod to get updates throughout the week from Art, from Fernando, from me, from all the guests that we feature here on Intercut. Thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, sorry, Emma Watson, you're just too old.